Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris Hyde, and welcome back to another exciting episode of our Natureversity podcast. We have with us today Lee Burton, and Lee Burton is the owner and founder of Naturalist Studies, based uh, here in Austin, Texas. And Lee and I, Lee and I, have been friends for quite some times, and we just love to get together and connect. So, Lee, thank you so much for getting together with me and connecting and doing this. My pleasure, Chris. Yeah. yeah, we don't get to see each other too much anymore. But you're a busy um, man, babies, well, family, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we are, and you get your school, and so yeah, it's um, you know. But uh, good to see you again. Yeah, you too. And we actually just got done doing another podcast before this one, which is funnily enough. So if you want to check out Lee's podcast, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, you can just go to my website, naturaliststudies.com, and um, it'll either be posted in the feature section on the front page, or you can just go to read and listen. Uh, you can also find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just look for Naturalist Studies. Perfect. Yeah, so my um, goal here today and having Lee on is just to have him share some other stuff that's going on that may not be um, you know, accessible to you all because the way Natureversity works. Obviously, we are a in-person school. We have that classic style format. But Lee offers these exact same programs in the vein of wilderness survival, wildlife tracking, and all that, but he does it online. So before we get started to tell you all about how you can get enrolled in his opportunities, uh, I just want to back up and hear from Lee and hear how did you get into where you're sitting in this chair in front of me today? <laughs> Tell well, us your whole life story. Yeah, I don't know what the time limit is on this podcast. <laughs> Ten hours. Uh, and we, we don't want people to go to sleep. They're driving on the way home from work. But anyway, no. Um, well, I grew up uh, in the hill country of Texas, right? And, where were you um, born? In Kerrville. Kerrville. Yeah, it's about two My hours mom. west of Austin. She That's right. That. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me that. So... Uh, the Guadalupe River. Uh, my wife gets really mad from the way I pronounce that. She's from Costa Rica. How do you, should you pronounce <laughs> so, it? Uh, I'm not even going to try. Uh, what, Gua yeah, Guada Guadalupe. Guadalupe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, or, uh, I think she gets really upset when they say Guadalupe. But, uh, <laughs> Let's call it that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, really beautiful river area. And when I was a kid, uh, my parents had a place or my grandparents had a place out on the river and my dad grew up there, you know, uh, fishing, doing a little hunting, uh, mostly probably Arkansas style, you know, squirrels, uh, what have you. Uh, but you know, had that background. Um, and so when I was a kid, I was fortunate enough where we still had that place, even though it'd been altered, there'd been a dam put on the river there. But, um, also had some access. It's a big area for kids camps, uh, summer camps up there. And my dad had access to one or two of those. So we were just always out going in the summer and, um, you know, we may be doing some sports as well. My dad was a tennis coach a while, but then we'd always end up at the river, you know, and fishing and, uh, looking for crawdads or helgramites, using them as bait, whatever. And so it was just something instilled at me at a young age um, to be outside and, you know, not only not be scared of nature, but to, you know, uh, really cherish it. Mm -hmm. um, and I also had an uncle. Uh, my dad just passed away uh, recently, uh, but 
I had an uncle who uh, was very outdoors oriented. He was a career Air Force. Actually, he has a very interesting story. He's a POW in Korea. And, um, wow. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. He's about to turn 100 soon here and still runs wow. a ranch. Yeah, still runs a ranch. God. Yeah, you do a whole podcast just on him. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, and um, he, he was gone, obviously, for a number of years. When he came back, he bought a ranch. So when I was a kid growing up, I spent a lot of time out there, did some hunting, um, and again, it's just the culture, uh, um, you know, that, that kind of, uh, you know, going out and, you know, either feeding animals or, you know, looking for an animal that disappeared or, um, you know, maybe a coyote had predated on and, you know, just being around that. Right. Yeah. And of course you run across all kinds of things on, you know, Oh, Turkey's nest. We just disturbed, you know, whatever. And so, uh, that was just really instilled in me as a kid. And then I, I went off, actually, I got a degree in engineering in the military a couple of years. I got out, got actually started doing high tech, which, you know, about as far removed from that kind of uh, from nature, lifestyle yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you can get. And I lived sort of all over the world in Europe for several <laughs> years and even in China. And there was just something, uh, you know, there was kind of an adrenaline rush. And this was during the, the big Internet boom and, and startup craze. And I, I worked for several of them. Um, but there was also some kind of lacking and I also mm-hmm. just knew inside, I always wanted to return. I mean, I didn't know I was going to be doing this, but I always wanted to return to be closer to nature and, and, you know, being involved in it and participating in it. And so when I came back here, long story, I, I started doing on the side, I got asked to do a couple of programs, um, educationally. Um, actually first in China and and there was some of it had to do with natural resources education and putting some programs together. And I got to travel all over China and see some amazing, um, they they just have incredible landscapes, uh, Himalayan part and Southwest China and out West. And that was kind of my gateway back. It was an eye opener, but you know, to be honest, I, had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be out in nature. I mean, sure, you know, I knew how to make fire or whatever, but I, I didn't understand the plants or the animals. And I ran across um, some good books out there. Joseph Rock, if you look him up, um, in the um, early part of the 20th century, uh, he got in with a, a tribe out in China and was one of the first Westerners to, to be over there and brought back all these amazing plants. And he actually wrote three National Geographic articles in the late 1920s, actually found one or two of them in a library. And I thought, that's really fascinating. So when I came back here, I started getting in more of the local ecology. Um, I took a master naturalist course and and got certified in that and started reading with the local naturalists here, like Howard Lacey, um, some of the early guys, and figured out, wow, you know, even Texas is this amazing ecosystem. Oh, yeah. Buffalo. So many lifetimes here. Yeah, gray wolves, white, uh, red wolves, you know, know, bears. I mean, just all kinds of things, which unfortunately most of those bigger carnivores are gone now. But... And, and so that kind of kindled an interest, but it was still a little lacking. There was just mm-hmm. something missing. And so um, I ended up uh, living in the Northwest for a while, up near Portland area. And a friend of a friend introduced me to somebody, and I, I was actually helping out because I'd done this program work as a program manager and, and uh, doing these uh, sort of field trip programs for some universities. And so I, I did one up there for a wolf watching uh, tour, Ooh. yeah, for an Oregon nonprofit, and they asked me to help put it together, and I did. And then through that and, and a, a mutual friend, I got introduced to a tracking school up there. And so um, I didn't go to the school that long for uh, several reasons, but 
I got into it and, and they took me to uh, this primitive skills uh, weekend or week called Rabbit Stick. Oh, is, yeah. Yeah. You we know, know all about Rabbit that. Stick. Yeah. Very famous <laughs> in Rexburg, Idaho, if oh, I yeah. remember correctly. Beautiful. Right yep. on the headwaters of the That's Snake it. River. That's right. And um, I, I spent several months there j- just kind of, you know, trolling through the landscape and started getting into tracking, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I did. Because I was doing some of the ecotourism stuff, I, I did another, helped out leading another uh, wolf tour actually in um, in Arizona, New Mexico, right on the border there uh, where the Mexican gray wolf was. And I, I just liked all that. So I ended up ultimately navigating kind of away from the IT sphere into conservation work. But then I, I kept kind of working on, you know, developing my skills. And then like you, I, I came down here to Austin area and uh, met Dave Scott at Earth Native yeah. uh, School and and did his programs. He had a <coughs> tracking intensive and and Dave's an offshoot from John Young and right. Wilderness Awareness. Yeah, um, and I love tracking and and the survival. I did the survival intensive and you know just and really I, I did it not to so much um, you know try to return to being a Stone Age person, but I just really enjoyed it and and wanted to be you know self sufficient, just know more. Yeah, and it was just something invigorating about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the thing that finally really did it, that kind of pushed me over the edge, like, hey, you know, I want to see if I can make a livelihood in it, was I ended up um, being able to get in touch with John Young and actually mentoring under him um, and, and being able to, to effectively study under him um, learning bird language. Yeah. And, um, and, and got into his materials and, you know, was just amazed at not just from, you know, primitive skills or tracking, but just this whole idea of being a naturalist mm-hmm. and what that meant, right? Yeah. And, you know, not getting lost in the woods, knowing what plants are edible or useful and which ones to stay away from. I, I'm actually now highly allergic to poison ivy oh. <laughs> as a kid, right? So I actually teach my daughter, three leaves, let it be, right? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And she knows that now. And so... You know, it just seemed useful, and and then the bird language really unlocked it for me because as I started doing that more and more um, and, and learning from John and other people, I started seeing it's like, this is amazing. I mean, this just tells a whole story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then when I started going outside, I had these transformative experiences, um, and I mentioned to you earlier about this Klaus Zuberbuhler story, which I need to post that probably on my website, but you know, some research he was doing in Africa, um, I think in Ivory Coast, and um, with um, some primates and the calls they made, alarm calls, and just this epiphany moment of seeing, you know, oh my gosh, I'm part of the story. And, um, and so that, that just really, I was, I was like hooked at that point, you know, and then I could start seeing, you know, you read these old accounts of, you know, Native Americans or other cultures and the way they just view things differently in the outdoors, and I could start seeing, hey, this is, everybody, you know, has this backdrop, yeah. you know, has this, you know, evolutionary background, if you want to call it that. Um, it's, you know, not any particular culture, ethnicity, you know, and I think we all need it, you know, and again, not we're all going to go live off the land, but it's just something that's in us that um, I think is very restorative. Yeah. And so um, that led to uh, basically, John, I got in contact with a professor, University of Florida, Dr. Katie Seaving, and she had done this amazing research in the lab on parrots, 
which are the titmice and chickadee uh, family of birds. And um, and made all these discoveries about, you know, they give these calls and all the other birds listen to them, you know, for danger. They utterly rely on them. And she's done some amazing research to show this um, and how that all works and the coding of their calls. And so when I was speaking to her, I was like, well, you know, you can do this, actually. You don't have to go in the lab. You can... Right you know, be sitting out here and sit spot. Yeah. Sit spot. And you can see this. And she, you know, and she knew a little bit, you know, obviously she goes, really? I said, yeah, I, I can tell you when the Cooper's Hawk's coming or, you know, yeah. a couple minutes four. Snakes. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. There's a cat over here and you know, I don't even have to see it. Right. Or here's a Fox that passed through here. And she was kind of scratching her head a little bit. And fortunately she's from <laughs> California and she was going back there. And so I, t- I got John, um, who I'm very grateful to, he, he hosted an event for her and we actually did a sit and, um, I think it was a Presidio park in San Francisco. And it's oh, just, wow. it was a, I mean, I, my brother lives there, but I didn't know, you know, it was great bird language saying it's just cacophony of all these alarms oh, and all that. And she was blown away by it. And so she went back and said, we have to start teaching his students, whatever. And so anyway, long story short, she asked me to put together a bird language course, uh, which I'm now teaching University of Florida. It's an online course. And I actually ended up, uh, for other reasons, doing a tracking course first there. Um, And so I teach both of those there and also University of Idaho. And it's funny, initially I I had this kind of... um, uh, I didn't want to do it because it, it seemed like counterintuitive mm. to, you know, I'm trying to be outdoors, get people outdoors. Now we're online, right? Right. Then there's people like yourself who do a great job, have all these programs for kids. You're getting them outdoor. Now I'm telling them go online. But what what I figured out, though, is that, and I, and well, I appreciate you having me here, they're actually, you know, we're in a digital world. Yeah. And, you know, like it Period. or not or whatever, right. there's a lot of advantages. There's some downsides to it, but it's not going away. Right. Right. Technology doesn't step backwards. No, it doesn't. And so I started looking at it as as it being potentially, um, you know, if you do it the right way, a complimentary, right? And so someone who doesn't have time or doesn't live or, you know, just right now, they can't go to Natureversity, right? Well, they can learn this online. And then what I started seeing is after my students did, and, you know, you get these amazing testimonials. I mean, not because of my instruction per se, you know, they they like the lecture, but just it opened up something mm-hmm. for them and they're like okay i want to go now in person yeah you know i want to go to a natureversity class or i want to send my kids there yeah. right or i want to do a cyber tracker evaluation right and so i took the university courses and i was like i really should offer these to the public online it's a lot of work i mean it's, it's hard to set up it's taken me several years oh, sure. and the whole thing you know it's an online business but yeah i think it's a good model and it's a great feed in and i want to be able to raise the banner for like schools what you're doing and you know they feed off each other so that's how that kind of started came in to being um and i hope it grows over time you know becomes like an online school and then has all these tentacles connecting to places yes. where people can go you know and actually do it in person you know and and learn from you know experts like yourself as well you yeah know, in addition to the online instruction so it's not just the university of students florida who can participate in these programs no it's those, anyone. right it's anyone oh, that's great yeah absolutely okay, so the the university courses are still there but you know like universities do you have to apply through them i mean if somebody interested they can contact me and I can point them in that direction I mean they are great you know and they're rigorous you know as you know it's <laughs> it's not easy to pass a tracking evaluation I mean yeah. my my barometer is that you know uh, for the kids that you know take the course and it's a 
there's both an undergraduate level and a graduate level for the, the university option that, you know, coming out of it, most of them would probably get a level two and cyber, maybe a lower level two, mm-hmm. certainly a level one. And there might be a few to even get a level three, probably lower. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, so there's a lot in it, but there's no replacing going out and getting no. in-person instruction from, you know, someone like yourself, you know, or a cyber tracker. But I uh, will, guys. I will never forget the moments where <clears throat> I'd be looking at Mark Elbrock's book or Paul Resendez or whoever, and I would like porcupines. I'll, I'll give you an example. I've never saw porcupine tracks, and then one day I saw them, and I just knew those are porcupine tracks because yeah. I had seen that picture so many times in such a different light or That's different the pattern substrate. matching part. Right, and you, I think in your online content, you're providing all those different aspects so that when you get to the field, it's just like uh, what are they? What is there's a? It's called something when somebody like, for instance, is like, oh yeah, did you see that new? cyber truck and you're like no and then you start seeing them everywhere yeah there's it's called something i forget what that's called but that's like what tracking is to me is once you begin to get exposed to it and like i told you that story about felicia earlier um where you know the mom came in and didn't really have any cares in the world about animal tracking but when she left that first day she was hooked and she was just like this is so exciting and i think the appeal of all of this stuff, whether it's animal tracking, medicinal plants, uh, pottery, what there's just something that like it sparks your humanism. Does that make sense? Like absolutely, it's like pulling a bow back the first time, like I said. You know, uh, and to just to add on what you were saying, I think the value of the online is, you know, I I take what's you know you can find information all out there. Oh yeah, I mean, like you said, the books are incredible and all yeah. that. But you know, most people, particularly working professionals, you know, they may not have the time. So I take that and condense that into an online form in lectures, give the essentials, and then you know you can see visuals, you can take tests, you know, there's flashcards. You oh, can that's learn amazing. It. So it's when you go in. For Cyber people who want the next you know, step, you know, they, they, like you said, they see a porcupine track and they have a good chance of recognizing it. But there's then a next step where they go to someone like you and then you can tell them all the ins and outs. What was this porcupine doing? Or this yeah. is, you know, whatever age porcupine. And, you know, this is, you know, over here, you know, here's some other sign. And, you know, the whole story behind it, right? right? And so that that's the real complimentary uh, aspect of it. Um, and I think that... Um, it's just a good gateway in. Yeah. You know, do you <clears throat> incorporate during any of the online classes? Do you ever make side mentions of how the, I don't, I don't, I guess I would say associated skills. For instance, um, you know, if you're a good hunter, there's a good chance you're probably good at camouflage or you're good at sneaking or you're good at awareness or you're good at, you know, those types of things. Do you ever make any mention of how wildlife tracking is just kind of like one side of the coin in the, in those opportunities and those videos to say, you know, you're tracking, yes, but did you know that this could be applied to save your life in a form of trapping or hunting or, you know, something else like, you know, perhaps even water uh, leading to water, you know, if you could see tons of deer tracks going in one direction, there's a really good chance they might be moving towards some kind of resource. Uh, but is there anything more in the animal tracking um, portion than yeah. just... So I definitely refer to it. I mean, the bulk of the course is definitely focused on, you know, morphology and characteristics of species, whatever. But in the introduction and in some other areas, I I do mention that. Uh, But I also want to be able to, I mean, that's the long-term goal in like these podcasts, is being able to bridge those kind of ideas in in other forums as well. Um, And so the way I would, I guess 
tell people is that the classes are more focused on the specific skill. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, particularly something like bird language, it's just by its very nature, it encompasses what you're referring to. Yeah. And I, I think you brought up something else that's uh, worth uh, delving into a little more is that, you know, there's various aspects of being outdoors. And, and John Young, you know, is very good at elucidating this, that, you know, there's there's kind of sort of three three or four prongs of that. There's, you know, the enjoyment or recreational aspect, mm-hmm. you know, of understanding <clears throat> nature and outdoors. There's the scientific or just purely the knowledge-based aspect of it. Uh, but then there's also the the connection or relationship aspect of it. And I think the real value in these skills and where it's overlooked and, and not to knock, you know, environmentalism and a lot of things that are in there or what's taught in schools. That's great. But that all kind of stays um, a lot of times at the head level. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Yeah. To get connection, you've got to be out there and understand, hey, this is this animal. Oh, it was here. It was doing this. You know, it was here at this time. Oh, why was it doing this? Well, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, interacting with this other, you know, maybe a male or female or maybe another species or maybe it predated something. And then, you know, then you get in other skills outside of tracking, like bird language, which, you know, we can refer to in some cases as tracking in real time. It's like, oh, I heard this alarm. Oh, that, oh, that's a bobcat. Mm -hmm. Those tracks are fresh over here. Yeah. You know, oh, he's hunting, you know, well, he's, you know, stirring up a quail nest over here, you know, whatever's going on. Right. And it just starts tying all of that, you know, and you get into things like, uh, you know, uh, lax and larders, right. Where to find animals. Right. Why are they there? And that part, I think, and ultimately it leads to the realization that, um, you know, you are part of the story when you're out there. I mean, you literally are, you know, one of the things I, I, um, and I use this, uh, in my lectures, uh, when I talk about bird language, the analogy or metaphor is that it's almost like if you were growing up and you lived in a house, but you had another family from another country, another culture that, that spoke a different language, right? And for whatever reason, you never learned that language mm. and you just tuned it out. Yeah. And then you go off to say to college, right? And you decide to study this language, right? You need it for your degree, what have you. And then you start learning it and you begin to understand it, the syntax, the grammar. Then you go back home, that family's still there. And now all of a sudden you can understand what they're saying. And you find out the entire time you grew up, they were telling you things like, hey, the mailman left a package on the door. Uh, by the way, uh, your brother stole your allowance yep. yesterday. Nice. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some food sitting out on the counter. Your mom left you. You know, hey, maybe even somebody tried to break in the house, you mm-hmm. know, earlier today, right? All of this stuff. And it's just, very important information right, for, important that would be applicable for your life. And you yeah. were completely oblivious to yeah. it. You know, and and that's what I tell people a lot of times are out in nature, even people who know the science part of it is that, you know, and I and I've done this myself. And and if I'm not tuned in, it can still happen at times. I try to catch myself, but you can blow right by something and there could be something amazing going on. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. And and so that's part of the beauty of it. And again, the animals are talking about you as well at the same time or reacting to you. And in terms of practical application, and I do touch on this, let's say you are a hunter, it will make you a much better hunter. Yeah. You know, you can have all the camouflage that you want. And I've talked to hunters about this. I was in a um, uh, an archery uh, class I was part of a few months ago, and, and these guys are very skilled. I mean, a couple of world-class people. 
and I was telling some bird language principles, and, you know, they were amazed. I was like, it, it doesn't matter how well you're camouflaged. You set off this alarm over That's here. Over. Yeah, you know. The deer's not coming for hours. No, they're not coming for hours. Yeah. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. You know, this idea of cascading alarms. Mm-hmm. And so it, it will make you, no matter what you're doing, and, you know, you read the old accounts or whatever, it, it's how the, you know, Chiricahua Apaches or Geronimo knew that the cavalry was coming and, yeah. you know, saw a bird alarm, you know, crow call or whatever two miles away and, you know. They just it, thought they were mystical. Yeah. How would they do it, that? Exactly. That's like, right. It's not it, mysticism. It's literally being connected to your living land base that surrounds you. John Young has a story in the beginning of what the Robin knows about how he, he's in a business meeting, nothing to do with this. He's talking to this guy. and Oh, um, yeah, 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 with the cat outside yeah, the, the window. Cat, yeah, yeah. He tells that's a good story. Yeah, you can hey, tell there's it. a cat coming it. around the corner, and they're looking out this big window, and the guy looks at him like, sure enough, <laughs> like, about 30 <laughs> seconds later, here comes his cat, and the guy's looking at him, he's a sorcerer. Right. You know? Yeah, he looked at John at right. first like, oh, you're a moron. Like, yeah. what, you, just, you just interrupted my story yeah. here. Some and, random thing, right? right? Yeah. And then he was like, wait, how did you yeah. know that, dude? Yeah. He's like, well, that bird only flew X amount of feet up, and that cat can only jump X amount of feet, and that's why. He's like, what? <laughs> and I, you know, and I've had a number of things happen like that to me. I, I've told other people, and, yeah. you know, they kind of look at it, and I'll tell them, like, there could be probably a Cooper's Hawk going to fly through here in the next 30 seconds. Yeah, and sure enough, yeah, it doesn't always it happen, is. right? But, yeah, more often than not, it does, right? Yeah, because you're not, and it's not like you're, you're not being a mystic. You're not no. pulling magic out of somewhere. No. It's just simple. You're reading the signs. Yeah, it's simple little cues that you're like, well, yeah. yeah, that I'll give you a, a one that was funny the other day. We were underneath this tree, and um, I asked the kids, I said, hey, what happened here? And they're like, where? I was like, right here, look. Look at all those water drops. What are all these water drops? They were like, oh, dog shook off right here. I was like, yeah, it's a good, it's a good eye, right? And as we sit under there, an hour goes by. I was like, hey, where's the dog? Like, what do you mean? I was like, well, where's the dog shook off? They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's still wet. How's it still wet? They're like, oh, interesting. So if I don't know if you know what this was. It was sitting underneath the crepe myrtle tree. And what it was is these things called sharpshooters. And they sit uh, there and yep. they suck out the little yep. phylum, you know, and they can't uh, synthesize the sugars. Yep. So they spit those out. So all over the place, it's just like, like a yep. water drop. Yep. But the kids didn't yep. pick up on that. Yeah. That, I let them believe for a little while as a dog shaking off until they're like, oh, yeah. And not that that is actually going to, you know, change your world in any way, shape, or form. But it is kind of fun because I've seen people like uh, down Barton Springs. They sat underneath this tree where a bunch of them were spitting on them. And they're like, what, like water drops keep dropping on me. Like, must have rained. And I was like, did it really rain? Like, what, how long have you been in Austin the past two weeks? It has not rained, lady. But they were just so certain that something was dropping on them. And I finally was like, look, it's these little creatures right here. And they're spitting out the stuff. And they're like, oh, gross. And then they got grossed out by it. But it's still, it's just something that's neat to know. It there's, is. There's a part of, like, a sense of peace, a sense of place, a sense of, you know, belonging, like all of it by knowing those things. And so when parents come to us and they're like, you know, hey, well, you know, these spiders or this, that, and the other, this snake. And I'm just like, no, 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 they're here. But we're not going to like mess with rattlesnakes or whatever. But they are here. And that's okay. Like it gives us confidence and knowing because it means we have got to be aware. And what kind of boring world do we want to live in where everything is taken care of for you? Like, yeah. you know, when we're talking about you know, hunter-gatherer cultures and societies, that to me is life. That to me is living. Right. When I got to get up and I got to go get my water, get my food, and build my hut, like I feel so alive. You know, I'm glad you brought that up um, because I, I described it. Actually, I was talking to John about this. 
and I call it an end-to-end experience. So mm. I, I go out, I used to go out and do quite a bit of fishing yeah. around here and um, on, on various creeks and rivers and really enjoy it. And I mean, you know, who doesn't like catching, if you're a fisherman, you like catching fish and, you know, yeah. big fish. But you can get really, like, zoned in on that and mm. you, you can start missing out on everything else. And I remember an experience once, I... I was in a beautiful place. I was actually at a conference, had some time off, and I wanted to go fishing. And but I, because it was on a beautiful, it's actually on the uh, headwaters of the Guadalupe, and mm. um, but I didn't have my rod or anything. But I, I found some line and I fashioned a little hook out of something. And I went and I just like hand drew this line along the bank and I, I stayed hidden. And it took a little while, and I can't remember if I found an earthworm or something, but I got some bait on there. And I caught a little bass. Yeah. Yeah. And a um, little large mouth, you know, not not big, but anyway. And, and so then I went and uh, I skinned it, you know, and cooked it. And I mean, that fish was, you know, I don't know if it was the best tasting fish, <laughs> but it was the most satisfying yeah. one I'd ever had because I did the whole thing. Right. You know, was I was so part warm. of that, you know, end-to-end experience. It was all connected. And, I, and I've had other experiences like that, and, and hunters will tell you that as well. Or, yeah. um, you know, I was talking to Steve Rinellis on his podcast a few months ago, and, you know, he talks about that. You know, it's a you should have to, not saying every meal, we all go to the grocery store, but, yeah. you know, if you eat meat, you know, it's good sometimes to, if you're not going to kill it, well, at least butcher it. You know, be part of that, Right. right? And there's just something that's, I think, very healthy inside. And so these skills actually promote that. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, there's a very useful aspect. And, and they're fun as well. I, again, you, you said something earlier. I was doing a bird language sit, uh, teaching a class um, last year, and had this really uh, good birder uh, who was in it, been doing it for years. He's from the U.K., and, you know, birding's big over there. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have been doing this for a long time. They they like, well, it sounds interesting, but I'm not really in bird language. Yeah, really? You know, and it's like, and so we did our sit, we spread on, and, and uh, some things happened. And uh, we came back to do our debrief. It's called a mapping exercise. And I heard some people talking, and, and I had seen this alarm signature. And um, I knew what it was. I never, I didn't actually see, uh, but it's kind of like a fingerprint. I knew what it was. And mm. so I, I told these people, and uh, I said, don't say anything. I said, this is the point of the debrief. Let's go through it. So we went through. It takes a couple hours, everybody going through period by period, describing what they saw. And, and so we drew up on the map, and I said, what does this look like? This is a certain time in line. They're like, that looks like a popcorn. I said, yeah, that looks awfully like a canine, maybe a coyote or fox. And then there are two people like, that's exactly what happened. It's like, we saw the fox, the gray fox run through here. Wow. You know, and this birder over here, he was just blown away. You know, um, and he had actually been one of the ones to see the fox, but these other people had interpreted that, and yeah. all they had seen is the birds hooking up in a, in a particular fashion, and they knew that. I love that instant validation when you can get a skill to apply that fast because I think that's the hook. You know, we're unfortunately this instant gratification culture in society, and if it's not like, all right, I'm going to win right now. Like you might lose some people. So if that had taken like two or three weeks, that guy must have just been like, man, it's not really like, it's cool. But the fact that it happened that fast, it's that instant and meaningfulness. And like you said, there's always something. I mean, yeah. you don't know if the Hooper, the Cooper's Hawk's going to come in at that moment or whatever, right? Right. But like, you know, you, you found those drops, right? There's always something interesting. Yeah. You know, there's with, with birds, with animals tracking, there's always something. Again, Steve Rinell, I heard him say something recently is like, the, the best naturalist, you know, or outdoorsman, I mean, 
you know, is not, you know, someone that has all the trophies or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's like you, you can have, you know, this taken away from you, this access, or, you know, you can't hunt this species anymore. And they're reduced to this, you know, maybe small plot or whatever, and they'll still be fascinated by something that happened. Yeah. You know, he's exactly. talking about his kids were down, I think, on the San Antonio River, right? And they were, you know, all these people going through on the river walk, and they're sitting here zoned in. They're, they're looking at the spawning bed, you know, of the, of the female, the largemouth, right? Yeah. You know, there's always something. And so that's the other beauty of this saying is that no matter what's, you know, where you are, and, and that's, I lead that off with bird language, tracking really the same thing as you know. Your backyard, even in a city. Oh you know, yeah, I, we're in here in an office building right, right now, downtown. We're on the 16th floor. I can't tell you how many bird alarms I've seen of Cooper's hawk or peregrine falcon coming in and watching these birds scatter. Yeah, and and I know what's going on before it comes in. Yep. You know, so no matter where you are, you there's always something to that you can learn. Yeah. You know, and, and be amazed by. Well, and I think that's for for those of you listening out there, and you're hearing what we're talking about. That is what Lee's program can do for you is basically plug you in to that world. So, you know, not to touch on anything about current state of affairs, but we all know that there are situations that just because of the life that we live, that there are moments of hazards. There's moments of danger. So for instance, if you're a deer and you're meandering through mountain lion country, you got to be aware of that. So I'll just give you an example. If you're driving down the road and there's a police officer waiting to catch you, right? That's, that's an example. But to take this wisdom that we're talking about, Lee and I together today, and to apply it to your life, that is why we both feel it's so meaningful and why everybody should be joining us down this road of becoming a naturalist and doing these studies is because it really truly makes you a feel alive and it b it really plugs you into everything else in a way that you just I don't know I, I Leah maybe you can do better than I can but I just can't put words to it it's a feeling that I know and I can't tell you why that feeling resonates so powerfully with me other than I feel alive. Like I really do. You know, that I think the best way, we all have personal stories you've yeah. done this. You know, everybody has moments like that, right? And, and nobody's moments better than anybody else's. You know, that's the beauty of it. You yeah, know, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're unique. You yeah. know, that, that word is misused a lot, but they are, you know. Um, but my professor at University of Florida, Dr. Katie Seaving, when I ran across her, she had been, you know, doing this lab research and, and teaching the scientific aspect of bird language, which, of course, you know, indigenous communities had known for thousands of years, right? Yeah. Science is, you know, catching up on that. And, and she had done some amazing work and, you know, certainly added to the body of knowledge because you can get to a level of granularity. But she was getting kind of burned out with it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I, you know, I was thinking about I'm kind of done, you know, she's near retirement and so on and so forth. And when we did that bird sit and, you know, and then I taught her a little about tracking and all that, you know, she told me later and, and to this day, she's like, it just completely changed everything. Yeah. She goes, I remember why I did this. It brought the joy back into it. It's like, this is so fun because wow. now it's not just data, it's an experience, mm-hmm. right? And it's relational and all the things you were just talking about. Yeah. And, you know, that's from someone who was on kind of the other side of the fence. You know, in our scientific, you know, slash digital world, right? She literally was doing acoustical analysis of yeah. these things, which is great. Yeah. You know, and and so it's not to dismiss that because that work's still really important. Um, and, and they go so well together, hand in hand. But I think you absolutely need to have the other aspect of it. Yeah. And so, that, you know, 
I that brought that immediately made me think of this moment in my life where I was called there's an organization god what is it called uh sunshine camps of austin something like that oh they're over there zilker um i hope y'all don't hate me for not remembering the name of your organization my apologies but we it, it austin sunshine camps are solely for the purpose of serving the community who isn't able to afford you know does the, the socioeconomically under privileged right and so there's predominantly a lot of hispanics a lot of blacks uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'll never forget like I, I show up on i think it was like a tuesday it could have been a wednesday so they've had a couple of days at camp they're not like totally you know used to everything but when i walked up there i was doing bow drill and a couple of other things i had all these pre i had all these things set out and um the kids were just standing there looking at me like like bah. Who cares? Like, whatever. You know, we're, we're so much cooler than this guy right here with our Nikes and our, you know, clothes and our this and our that. And, and I just, I didn't let any of that affect me. I was just like, I am here to show you how cool nature is. And by the end of that day, all of them had their shoes off. All of them had made a bow drill fire and were looking and scouring for more tinder because they were so obsessed. And it was so shocking because the Austin Sunshine Camps people, they came to me and they were like, dude, they don't like this stuff. They don't want to be here. They want to play video games. They want to hang out with their friends. But whatever you did, they want you to come back. They want you to come back after week, after week, after week. And this is all they want to do. And so I know that no matter how cool you think you may be, no matter how much you think you have life figured out and you're riding the cloud nine or whatever, if you come and just find somebody who's very passionate about nature and take a walk with them, a naturalist, take a walk with them, the things that you will discover. So I'm curiously, in these videos and on these online content that you make, is it uh, one of those things. Do you go and like hold a camera? Like how, what's the, um, what's it like? Are you looking at things on photos? Are you discussing? Are you taking guided virtual tours? Uh, elaborate a little bit about what the program that you offer is like. Yeah, sure. So right now, uh, the tracking course is really focused, uh, visually, yeah. uh, on, uh, photos of tracks or trails or gates and analyzing those. And again, this is where when I first came into this, I had reservations about, you know, doing this online and, you know, you really need to be on the ground. And again, what I discovered was there's a way to do it online and, you know, really to impart the information um, and, and to stay focused on, you know, just photos or, for instance, a bird language course. Virtual reality, I've been working on a few things, uh, maybe longer term. You, there's probably is potential to actually do some really good things. Oh, with, with bird language yeah, and with virtual bird reality? Language. I guarantee you. Yeah. Now, it's complicated in producing all that, but I'm, I'm working with somebody on that now. We'll, we'll see where that goes. I'm uh, but hopeful. That, that, that's a longer term thing. But generally speaking, you can't really capture bird language uh, visually. You, you just can't. However... Yeah. What I've done in the course um, is I have animations. God, and that it. does the job because really what what you're looking for is conceptually, yeah, right. And we talked about pattern matching earlier. Yeah, you're really the mind's looking, eye, right? Uh -huh. Your mind's eye, so that when you go out and you see that, you go, "Oh, that's a bird plow." Exactly. That's what that is. Oh, that's the that's the parabola alarm. Got right? it. Right. Oh, okay, that's a cat. Oh, look at that thing moving. You know. 
so you can again, you know, if you had VR or something in the future, and again, it's not a replacement for it. Be no. clear, I don't. There's no, but as a learning tool, that may be very good. You know, as that technology matures, uh, tracking. I think the big thing with tracking is is again, it, it's visual based. You know, in the future, we have more like what you can't do or not easily now. It's beginning to change with kind of three D photo technology, but. You know, again, to really see a track and know exactly what it is, that three dimensions, you know, yeah. looking at it from different All angles. angles. Yep. Exactly. The whole thing, you know. Light. But light and, yep. you know, shadow, take, you know, put a flashlight, all that kind of stuff, right? But that's okay because I'm not trying to replace, you know, what people are. You, you need to get out and do it yourself. Yeah, of course. So, and, and then the other way I get around it, too, is that. Um, and, and again, this is optional, uh, for the, the, the versions are open to the public, uh, the online, they would access on my website, uh, but I give them an assignment to do, you know, Hey, go out and, um, look for this kind of track. Or if you're familiar with Shikari journal, uh, John mm-hmm. Young used to use it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you sketch it out, you draw, you know, what was the weather conditions? What else was around it? You know, sketch the landscape. So you, you get a whole ecological context of that. So you can do that. And actually in the university courses, I have, they do it and they have to submit that and that's part of so a project. It's like a correspondence course. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, and they have a discussion forum. They mm. do it online. Oh, you know, I like and then, that. Yeah, and there's this back and forth. Oh, I see this. Well, what about that? Oh, I never thought about that, mm. you know? So so that's great. And I may do that some of that on public online as well eventually, or uh, I all, also offer these to uh, private groups like, you know, state agency, like, yeah. you know, a parks and wildlife, you know, or fishing game, you know, if they had a set of employees and then they can do a discussion back and forth. So, Again, I don't think it'll ever be a re- even with you know VR these other three D photo thing. I don't think it'll ever be a replacement as a learning tool being outside, but it certainly augments it. Yeah, and you know it's a good way to get started. And in conjunction, you know, I always tell people you know on these courses, hey, and particularly bird language, but tracking as well. That's great. You know, take the course. But you need to go outside. Yeah. You know, every week go out. You may not find the trap, but you'll find something else. Yeah. You know, go out, do your sit, you know, see it. You'll have your own experience. That's where you really learn the material. You know, I, I can give you the fundamentals, and you have to start with something because you, otherwise you don't know what to look for. But you got to, you, you have to have dirt time. Yeah. You know? Do you, uh, you have, ta- how many, let me ask you this question. How many cyber trackers have you taken? Oh, I know it's more than a dozen. <laughs> no, it's probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I have to go back and look. It's quite a few. I've taken like six myself. Yeah, it's about so, five. Yeah. Yeah, four or five. Yeah. Um, so here's my question. In Cyber Trackers, have you ever seen a question asked? Uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what Cyber Tracker is, Cyber Tracker International is an organization that is dedicated to basically advancing naturalist studies in field. Uh, so it is an open, honest dialogue with biologists and your fellow peers about learning more about ecology. So they ask you a series of questions. It could be, what foot is this? What animal is this? Who made this scratch? They have all these questions that they can ask you. So, Lee, what I'm going to ask you is, have they ever asked a question about bird language on one of your e- Cyber Tracker evals? Um, not that I've been around and it's interesting. Um, I've actually brought it up once okay. or twice. Cause now I'm sure you're about to know what the next question I'm going to ask. Well, is. maybe. So <laughs> I, I think actually the one they do do it and I haven't done one of these. I'd like to, but in Texas it's, they don't really offer this and I, I, I do it on my own quite a bit, but, um, I really like trailing animals. Yeah. Yeah. And why and, don't they do trailing in Texas? That is weird. Yeah. It's well, like Washington state, California. I think that, as you know, the substrate right around here is tough. There's areas where you could do it. Yeah. You know? Of course and there have been a couple of workshops here and I've yeah. gone to those, but, 
Um, I think bird language and trailing, absolutely. If you're close to an animal, you know, you set off a big bird alarm. Well, <laughs> yep. Those elk just moved. Yeah, they're yeah, gone. You know, yeah, they're <laughs> gone, right? Yeah, you're going to need another four hours to yeah. catch up to them or whatever the case is. Um, but it, it is something, um, and, and also the thing about bird language, it keeps you from being too uh, myopic. Yeah. You know, just zoned in on the, you know, individual track. I don't know if that's where you were kind of going with. but No, the, the question that I was going to go where, or where I was going to go with that was, why do we not have a cyber tracker for just bird language? Well, and that's why the other part. I've thought about that. Um, John Young did have something called bird language leaders, but that was more conducting. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I never got to be a part of it, but yeah, I remember it. It was more about being able to teach it and conduct like an intensive, yeah. um, and, which is great. It's fantastic. And, and it kind of got more into the mentoring aspect. Does he still have uh, an organization that basically you learn from him and you become like a deemed like official, uh, I don't know, a bird language expert? That, does that program still exist? He, he does. I think he may have changed the name of it. So he has been focusing most of his energies, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but um, eight shields, yeah. uh, which is whole idea of his nature mentoring. connection mm-hmm. attributes. That's and what we use at Natureversity. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And so he's been developing that, and I know he was trying to develop, uh, and I think he's in the throes of it, of even like an app, like a smartphone app. Oh, and thank be- God. And being this able to help <laughs> guide and mentor people from afar. Yeah. You know, because God, if you're be not, amazing. if you you wherever you live or time or whatever you don't have access to a community a group of people that you can like natureversity where you mm-hmm. you know which is great yeah um so i think I, i've thought about this and um you know maybe it'd be good to put some together i mean i i would you know love to be a part of that um i think he, it, it's tough with bird language because as we were speaking about earlier you know every experience you have is different yeah so testing uh, sure. But I think there is a way to do it, and and maybe actually it's in conjunction with the trailing part. Um, and, and there may also be a, a practical way of doing. It. In fact, this is a a good side note to what you were mentioning, Cyber Tracker. Um, and this is before I was involved w- with any of this, but years ago, um, I when I was doing high tech work, um, I was with uh, in an office, and one of my colleagues was programming for people. Remember, I'm dating myself here, but uh, the original Palm Pilot. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Dad had one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were cool, and so we were doing some stuff on it, and I ran across an article or something talking about how um, there was a group uh, down in South Africa, and what they were doing is uh... they were doing census counts. And of animals, and they had a little GPS, a uh, little. That's uh, the origins. Yeah, that's right. They had that's a little it. GPS connector on the Palm Pilot, which they would enter in where they found it. It yeah. would upload the coordinates, and you know, so they could figure out, you know, what animals, where they were, movements, you know, try to get numbers, et cetera, extrapolate the data. Well, it turned out that the um, the natives they were using there, uh, some of the Bushmen didn't know tracking anymore. Wow. Because they had, you know, been kind of gobbled up by westernization and So the Palm Pilot thing actually at let their tracking skills atrophy. Well, no, not so much that. They had just atrophied and so they were going oh, out into the field and they were not getting good data. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And, now and there were some cultural stuff, you know, there were some things about they wanted to enter data to show yeah. they were doing their work, but then the guys were like, it's like well, this is kind of not this is rubbish. <laughs> and, it doesn't know. matter. Right. So what they did was they invented this program. This is uh, Lewis Liebenberg. Yeah. Um, I don't know him personally, but I'm um, reading this whole thing. 
they came out with this training course. Yeah. And they trained, and it wasn't just Bushman, primarily to, you know, what they had known for generations so they could properly identify. And that's why it's called Cyber Tracker. Right. Because it's a, right. it's a strange name if it you is. would, you know. Everybody's confused. It's, it's like, like yeah, it's this, you know, weird amalgamation, right, of yeah. these two worlds. But that's why. And so it was very successful. You know, yeah, evidently. And so then they thought, well, you know, we don't have to use it just for this. And in fact, I've worked with another organization, uh, Sky Island Alliance, uh, which is down in the southeastern Arizona. Uh, they do some amazing work on citizen science projects uh, where, you know, they go in, they train people tracking. They, they, they have done a cyber tracker evaluations. They've had cyber tracker come in there, gather data, and they've actually used that to lobby the government. Like when they're building new roads, state government, hey, don't, uh, don't, don't put it through here. here. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, this is a corridor. You know, if you run an overpass right here, this is, you know, and particularly down there, they have limited resources like water. You know, this is where animals are coming through to get access here. So can you move it over here? So there's real world applications of this, but that, that's the genesis of how that all got started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cyber Tracker, I have taken five or six of them. And every single time I take one, I have so much fun. Like, yeah. I just can't. It's kind of like an addiction. It's like I like to be told. It is know, an addiction. It's a good addiction. I really do. I find it. it is. And. But I like being told, like, that's good, but here's more clarity. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that because yeah. I was so close. But There's you know, more to the story. There's always more to the story. Yeah. And uh, my, I think my favorite one, we'll just share some Cyber Tracker stories here real quick. My favorite one, I think, was out when we were at Roy Guerrero Park here in Austin. And it had just been that big, like, 2016 October flood or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yep. it was maybe 2015. But we'd had this big flood. And all the water um, had come in from the Colorado and backwashed up into this area and then washed back I remember out. this. I know what you're yes, talking Yes, I yeah. remember you were being there because yeah. you were our little evaluator yeah. or uh, a helper with the with the sheet. And it was those weird, remember those toe drag marks yep. that were like here, 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 here. And yep. it was just so mind-boggling that we were like, oh, a beaver who's floating and like a little kid would pull themselves across the bottom of a pool with a couple of fingers. Just That's toes. what they yeah. were doing. And yeah. I just, man, that blew my mind so much. Um, just, I would, oh yeah, I want to hear what was some of your favorite moments in cyber tracker and some of the questions you've been asked, you know, that, uh, same eval, they had a sitting coyote. And it was. I remember that. Yeah. Which is, you know, as you do With this, it's not that unusual, mark. but it was because of the mud, because yes. you know, it had washed in a, a fresh layer, which is how, you know, those landscapes get built up over eons, yep. right? Um, why there's such great farmland. And yeah, it was so fresh. It was just this perfect oh, my mind. impression of a, of a coyote, you know, sitting. And, it, and we, I think, kind of deduced that it was hunting a rabbit. Yeah, it was way in there because there were fresh rabbit tracks, and you could tell which one came before by you know what right. stepped on what. Yeah, so that was really interesting. You know, another one um, which wasn't um, a cyber tracker; uh, it was just on my own. But uh, this year and last year, you know, we're in this heat wave right now, but we've actually had two cold winters. Yeah, and uh, last year we had that big blizzard. I mean, oh my god, in, you the know, even, the, yeah, even the by the like Midwest February. standards, it was cold here. <sighs> I mean, like went on for ten days, right? I was um, out of power, out of water, yeah, around everything. zero at night, yeah. multiple snowstorms, yeah. you know, three foot icicles off it was my insane. house, yeah. So, but anyway, I, I 
saw it as opportunity. So, um, oh, I did too. Yeah, the I did. Tracking in the snow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was all so day I, in I, the I built an igloo one day and stayed in it one night, and then our snow shelter. And uh, and then the next couple of days, I, I wanted oh, to wait yeah. a day or two, went out tracking. And I went into this, and I, and I live in kind of on the edge of the town and farm country all around me. And, you know, I, I saw some great things. I was just blown away by how many animals oh, are here. And hundreds, you hear people, you know, every, like, a guy like Steve Rinella comes down, and he's always talking about this, like just how much game, both, yeah. you know, exotic and you know, a native. But there are just so many. I mean, there were just tracks everywhere. I mean, coyote tracks, all kinds of rodents, skunks. Yeah. You know, maybe not in terms of the, you know, big animal diversity, but nah. just volume of animals. And, you know, they all told a story. Mm-hmm. And I just saw some incredible things. You know, I followed a coyote, which you, like you were talking about earlier, we we're talking about trailing. You can't do this normally, but, you know, I file, I followed trails for half a mile or more. Yeah. You know, and all the little stops and yeah, where they went, stops, and what are they doing? Intersected with another coyote yeah. where they were, you know, interacting, you know, and uh, it was just incredible to yeah. see that. And, you know, and I knew there were a lot of animals there, but even I was blown away by how much activity yeah. you know, there was. So, um, you know, I wish we got maybe not quite to that degree, but I wish we got those kind of <laughs> snows a couple every two or three every year. Because I wish that too. And, and the, the bigger thing was that. It was an eye-opening, you know, even to me who grew up here and yeah. been doing this for, you know, quite a while, it was a learning experience for me because even I didn't know, you know, it was this much or it's just so in your face. I mean, you see a rabbit run, but then you see all these other animals are using it too, right. you know, and so there's always something to learn. Yeah. You know, there's always something you can learn. There's always some new story and, you know, I, I'm sure even someone like Mark Elbrock's the same way, you know, it's like he's always getting a new piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard for me to not there there the way to say it I think is um you have a thirst for knowledge that cannot be quenched. Yes. Right? That yeah. is that's what it is for me cuz even though like Procyon loader, I've seen raccoon tracks a million times. I still love seeing them. I still love seeing yeah. I love those little fingery claws. Yeah. Like I don't care how boring my students. Oh, we've seen million raccoons. I always do this. I drag them about 20 yards away. And then I'm like, what are the three other different species around that raccoon track? And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. So like you said, there's always another layer to this stuff. And there's but always maybe one that kind of can fool you, at least dude, for a little bit. The you possums, know? The <laughs> yeah, possums right, yeah. always get me. I'm like, that yeah. looks like Bobcat. Yeah. That was possum. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. it's the way the freaking yeah. fingers. Oh, those little yeah. stinkers. Uh, somebody rescued a little baby possum in front of me the other day. I guess it had fallen off mom's back, but it was like jet black with those little white ears and the little tail. It was so cute. So. You know, the, the other thing about and bird language, too, but it's particularly tracking is that, yeah. you know, if you go to some place, like I've been to Africa and, you know, there's so much big fauna there and, you know, you can see just amazing. And, I, and I've had fortune, like I've seen a cheetah kill, like right up close, wow. like literally right in front of where I am. That's uh, cool. My, actually swatted a, a fawn into, into my car. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's amazing, right? And, and there's no place like Africa. You know, there's some other amazing places, too, in Asia where you have lots of megafauna or like Pantanal in South America yeah. or whatever. But still, you know, Yellowstone, obviously, you're up in Alaska. But, you know, that's the pinnacle. But even around here, there's still a lot of stories that are happening. They're just harder to see. Yeah. And, or, or you may not see, you, put uh, more succinctly, you don't see them at all, mm-hmm. right, with your eyes. But it, 
when you use tracking or you understand tracking or bird language, you see it without seeing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, the tracking thing, when you really can get into it, you know, you may see like another raccoon trap, but you see, oh, this was happening or, you know, a coyote was after it or whatever. And, you, and there's just a whole story yeah. that can unfold. And you may not get that. Most of the time you won't get all that out of it, but you see enough of that. And that, to me, is the part that fascinates me on the animal behavior aspect is the interaction. Yeah. And there's so many different things can happen, you know, and, and predator becomes prey and vice versa. And it's just it just opens up a whole new world. And so yeah. you're given these tool sets to begin to unravel that. Right. You know, and to understand that. And again, that that's what indigenous cultures knew so well. And of course, you know, they created stories about it and yeah. song and dance and all that. But even you don't go to that level, just that knowledge. It's like you said, it just I don't know, it just invigorates you. It just I, does something. I am. I'm invigorated by it because for instance, Mark Elbrock's book about mammal behavior. Like I I look at animal tracks and I'm like, okay, I'm really good at identifying porcupine and, and I'm good at, but I want to know about them now. Like I'm good at their animal tracks. So that's where I'm like, all right, so you just go to this next layer. And then in that you're like, well, I want to know what their interaction when they bump into a squirrel is like, or another porcupine or a, you know, wolf or a Martin where, you know, they get attacked a lot. Martins are good at killing them. And I want to know. So what I'm saying is that, through the world of animal tracking, it kind of drags you into all the other places because you go out there and you're looking at these animal tracks and you're like, yeah, what, what is this? And you figure it out. But then you're like, well, what are they eating? And they're, oh, it's this tree. Well, that's strange. Like, what is this insect on this tree? Oh, what, what, what is it eating? And then you just, you just keep going down the little rabbit hole and it never stops. And so when the kids, sometimes they'll ask me like, haven't you learned it all? I'm like, no, because it's been evolving the whole time that I've been learning it. So even if I had a million lifetimes just in Texas alone, I still couldn't see or learn it all because during that million years of my study, it's all been changing. And there's always somebody else, even if they're a novice, who has a piece of the story that, that you don't. Yes. Or see something that yeah. you don't. And I, I had personal experience. I was first starting on this. Um, I was at uh, with an instructor, and we were going through and uh, under bridge or something like that a cave and you know what track is this and there was some droppings there some ah. sign nobody could figure it out and i was new i really didn't know much and but then all of a sudden <laughs> something just clicked and i was like i know what that is yeah and it was like no nah. you know it's like they've been doing you know this hard intensive thing or whatever and, and the instructor's like and i said no i know what this is and it turned out actually it was a piece of a dirt dauber's nest yeah and it broken off and landed Fallen. in a track and they everybody thought it was kind of part of a track and you know i just because i'd seen them as a kid yeah i, I had to clean them out all the time yep. you know and and whatever and so even if you've been doing this for years, somebody, it could be a kid sometime, will come on and kind of set you. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and so you're always learning. You know, did, always you ever, learning. did you ever see that movie, Slumdog Millionaire? Um, I, I did, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. That movie is, I, I told this to Jonah Evans the That's last in India, time. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's about a little boy yeah, who basically yeah, yeah. goes on, like, yeah. who wants to be a millionaire, yeah. and he wins. And, but the yeah. story is amazing. I really like the story. But I remember telling Jonah Evans, one of the Texas Park's uh, top mammologists and one of the cyber trackers, best evaluators, he lives here in Austin. I remember telling him, that movie 
is exactly how my tr- wildlife tracking career has been. Like, I, like, because in the movie, th- for instance, uh, he's on the streets and he's just like living his life, and this little boy's like, "Hey, you know, come over here real quick," and he's like, "What's up? What's up?" And he, he and he hands him something. He's like, well, "Who is on this bill?" And he's like, "Um." Franklin and he's like good 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 he's like I just want to make sure I didn't get ripped off because he's a little blind kid and so he's like well that's weird but in the question on the movie they're like who is on the $100 bill and he's like and he has to think about that moment in that yeah. time in that space yeah. in that that moment that he figured that out and he's like Franklin so that's how my wildlife mm. tracking career has been I've been in these times and these spaces and these moments where I'm like oh like that's what the river ought, or like a, a loping armadillo which is like they don't lope they don't behave like that they overstep themselves and they don't really care if anything's bothering them but for some reason this little guy got up into a lope and wanted to get away faster so i remember seeing that and then i was at a cyber checker about one time and i was like oh they do lope so i like wrote that but that movie is it, it encompasses my exact experiences with cyber tracker to a team and- and it's true. I mean, tracking or anything, bird language, it'll humble you or yeah, keep you humble. It does. You know? It's so well at just making you go, man, I am, you know, just a little small, in, I wouldn't say insignificant, but a little small part of this yeah. big world. And how do I fit in with all this? You know, how do I navigate this natural world? And and I think one of the things, too, if people do evals, it, it's easy to do this, and I, I've certainly done it. It can become, I don't want to say a competitive thing, but, you know, you, you can end up measuring yourself like, yeah. versus one of the evaluators yeah. and all that. And, you know, those guys have been doing it for years and years, and some of them do it all, you know, for their livelihood. And so you may not reach that level. I tell my university students this. You know, you, yeah. you know, a, a few of them may, probably will, but most of them won't, you know. But they all they still have something to offer, you know, yeah. and – uh, just from a, I hate to say a self-worth standpoint, but you're always going to have a different experience from somebody else and you're going to be able to add a little body of knowledge or, you know, pass it on if you have kids, pass it on to them or some of your friends or whatever. And so there's just value in that just in of itself, you yeah. know, um, nobody again has the whole story. And so there's a beauty in that. Um, and so, you know, Cyber track evaluations, I, I can't recommend them more I highly. Know. And again, you know, kind of have some ideas for maybe bird language. But the bigger point really is, you know, learning aspect. Um, and, and there's other aspects, too, about cyber track. They're, they're tough because if you don't live in that area and you're not out, you know, they're a little bit subjective in terms of, you know, what they're going to ask. Mm-hmm. And, what, and so just don't be thrown off by that. You yeah. know, it's, um, and, and if you really are into it and you spend a lot of time, you'll eventually get whatever the certification you're looking for. But, right. you know, even if you just go just for a learning, it's well worth it. It's just incredible how much, you know, that you learn. Yeah. Agreed. So if you're interested in uh, taking a cyber tracker evaluation after us talking about it for 15, 20 minutes or so, uh, look online, just type in cyber tracker near me. I'm sure there'll be some kind of evaluation. I mean, they've sprung up, I've seen them in nearly every state. In fact, yeah. I know they've now run one like or two in Hawaii and Alaska. So yeah. it's pretty much they've or, covered it, in the entire continental U.S. And if you're a group, like you happen to be in Austin, you can yeah. contact Chris or if you're elsewhere, myself, you yep. know, and, and we, we can, can facilitate. help facilitate that. Exactly. Yeah, we can get yeah. those folks together. Uh, you know, and just speaking one last thing and then we'll wrap up here. I remember um, when I went to Big Bend. There was a gentleman there from Washington State. His name is Marcus Rainerson. And Marcus had probably taken 10, 12 
evaluations and every single time that was like 99 99 yeah. 99 yep. 99 so i you know, and just speaking about what you were saying about how you can compare yourself or, you know, challenge yourself or whatever. I'm sure in some way, shape or form, my ego was wrapped up in that moment because I got my 100 that day and he didn't. And I felt so bad. I was like, man, that really sucks, Marcus. Like you've tried this so many times and it, it does cost money. Everybody don't think it's cheap. Um, but I know now, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Marcus is a thousand times better of a tracker than I am because I got that moment of, that's it, I did it, I won, I got my yeah. certification, now yeah. what? You know, I almost like hit the wall. Yeah. Whereas Marcus had to go on and on and on and on to do it again. So I always tell my students and anyone who's listening to this at all, if there is a moment where you feel like you just haven't won yet, don't worry because here's what happens. I always tell my kids this. I say, I'm not better than you. I'm not. I just have failed more times than you've tried, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's it. That's yeah. all that's happened. So Marcus has failed more times than I've tried. So of course he's a better stra a, a, a tracker than me now. And he, he always will be until I muster up the courage to go back out there and do what he's doing. But I'm pretty sure he's an evaluator now. Oh, is Marcus, he really? Yeah. So oh, goes to show he's gotten his trailing, he's gotten his specialist, yeah. and wow. he's up there with the senior trackers, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, you can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but... Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Down here, Chris, I, I wouldn't put anyone else up above you down no, here. No, stop You've it. You've had enough dirt stop time. It. Yeah. <laughs> I but. only get to go tracking in the smaller places that I'm so used to. And uh, yesterday, I had a lot of fun. My teachers walked up to me, and they handed me this piece of paper, and they've been ma making quizzes with the kids. And they were like, all right, all of these are rodents except two. Which ones? Go. And I was like, skunk and ferret. And they're like, oh, how did he do it? And all the kids were devastated because they thought it would take me five minutes to figure it all out. I was like, no. I was like, skunks actually used to be part of the, you know, mustelids. Yeah. And yeah, now right. they have yeah. their own mephidiae. And yeah. I went through, explained it all. And they're like, just how do you know all this? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I'm so passionate about wildlife and animals and the things that they do and how they live and how they interact. And it's a part of who I am because when I go out and I'm at Barton Springs and I see a squirrel, like it's, it's just a squirrel. It's not that big of a deal, right? Just most people. But I want a connection with that squirrel in some way, shape or form. And so I'll sit there and I'll open up my phone and I'll read about what is it eating around here or perhaps how's it interacting with others. I'm just curious. So, I and I know you are too. Yeah. The other thing too, for me, I've got, not everybody get, goes this direction, but I have gotten really interested. I mean, I was before, but it, it's taken it a lot farther into when you start understanding this, you, you start thinking about, you know, people in previous generations, how they yeah. lived, right? And and their, a good to point. use a sort of archaeology term, their life ways. Yeah. And that's really fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. You start thinking about, well, what was it like 200 years ago or 2,000 years ago? And, and that gets into history. And, um, you know, that to me, again, that's not specifically due to tracking or bird language, but it's connected, right? And yeah. you can actually understand or relate to that, you know, part of history. And at least when I was a kid, uh, and not everybody's like this, but, you know, like kids say this, oh, it's dry, you know, it's not tangible, and you know, because you can't relate to it. Right. Right. And so you, you wouldn't think necessarily, but actually doing these, it, it does give you a connection to the past. And, Absolutely. And there's some people have written, um, you know, some excellent books about this, you know, all kinds of genres. Are there, you know, 
Um, I, one of my really like tending the wild. It's about the California. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah, have that book. Fantastic. Yeah, nice little about, thick book about uh, the seasonal changes and the harvests oh, and all, and all that the stuff. Things. Yeah, sculpted California. You know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's incredible, right? I didn't know what like coppicing or coppicing was until I read that book yeah. with the willow shoots, and yeah. I didn't know any of that. So, yeah. Whoa, this blew my mind. I love that book. Yeah. If y'all don't have haven't read Tending the Wild, just go and thumb through it. You'll be amazed. Or, you know, um, Dan Flores, you know, he's written, oh. like, yeah, like, um, American Serengeti or, mm-hmm. or Coyote. I mean, it's just, so you you get into that and you understand it more. Or um, there, there's a professor, I can't remember, he's up at SMU, Southern Methodist University, and he, he was on Steve Rinella's podcast, and he's been on a couple times, but talking about the, the die-off and... Um, you know, in his theory, which I tend to buy, it, it wasn't really humans. It the die off of the megafauna. The megafauna, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. It, it was much more due to the climatic change. Oh, that's what I think period. too. Yeah, People absolutely. who say it's like we hunted them it, to existence. Right. I'm like, I don't buy and that. He has at a all. Whole, yeah, and he has a whole um, kind of data set to back that yeah. up. But, but when you start so doing these, and, and like here up at the Galt site, which is yeah. one of the oldest sites in all of the Americas back 20,000 years. You kind of you start to see that why it would be that way and how it's not really practical to hunt a mammoth and you know when you're on the ground you're doing tracking you see his animal like, God I don't even know if I could ever get close to this animal or mm-hmm. what would it take you know or if oh, I was yeah. tandem hunting right you know and so you, you really start understanding more about past generations and history yeah. and how people lived and so there's a connection there as well yeah it's so deep it never stops I just continuously like. You know, we like we talked about earlier, tracking will lead into bird language and bird language will lead into dendrology and dendrology yeah. will lead into, you know, insect study and or what is that entomology? Yeah. Um, it just keeps going and it never stops. And so, and we're, the, yeah, and the last thing I say for me and a lot of people, it's very in a way kind of meditative. You it's know? so it's, meditative. Yeah. It yeah. is very meditative. And it's not that you're not using your brain. I don't mean no, it's, it's not like the opposite. A, it's not a Zen way like that necessarily, but it, it's it's meditative without being uh, chaotic or just, you know, right. brain just going fast forward, you know, and like we do a lot of times at work, we're multitasking, you know, all this. We're we sort of hardwired, uh, or if you want to use a, a digital term, um, yeah, we're, we're like a, our brain's like a chip, you know, it's yeah. like it's burned into us to do these oh, yeah. things, right? So you Especially don't, now. yeah, you don't have to, I mean, I mean, sure, there's some learning, as you well know, I mean, tracking is a lot of learning involved mm-hmm. in bird language, but we're, we're designed to do it, yeah. you know, and um, it's embedded in us. And yeah. so uh, I think that's why there's so much enjoyment and fulfillment in it. But I think that meditative quality comes out when it's like, you know, most of the animal tracks that we see are going to be near some source of water or clay or something, you know, maybe dust. But through that process of kneeling down, becoming intimate with something that you're very curious about, and then listening, like, you know there's bugs behind you. You know there's trees filled with birds behind you. You know the stream is running and there might be fish or crawfish. Like, I don't know. There's That's the meditative to me. Is like the little sounds of the water rushing, like the little singing of the birds, like just noticing like the bees getting near the water to get water. Like, I don't know. And so absolutely it's it's not like you're closing your eyes and you're, you know, a himsa and using a, a what are those called? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, what are they called? Uh, uh, I know you're talking about. An anchor or yeah, something yeah. like that. Something to yeah. bring you back to your breathing. Um, but it is 
very therapeutic. And I say that to people, especially when I show them my journals. It slows you down. You know, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you really got to analyze. I always tell the kids, like, you Mm. never truly see something until you draw it. You know, it's really, instead of maybe another way of putting it, and um, I'm sure this isn't the correct, you know, sort of psychology term, but instead of rapid or chaotic thought, it's more of a deep thinking yeah, you know, it, it's intrinsic in that sense. It's a slow, methodical, really it, like reading a good book where you have to, you know, stop periodically yep. and just take oh, it I've in been there. versus yeah. just scanning information on the internet. You know, and, right? And mindlessly right, scrolling. Right. So it's a right. deep thought, you yeah. know, kind of pattern. Um, which again, I think we're built for, and we're probably kind of getting away from that. If you, you know read some of the literature well, and research. So this is another good argument for it because, yeah. you know, it, it helps uh, that aspect of our minds. That makes me think of all those darn Seek apps and the Rock Identifier apps. I guarantee you there's going to be one of those track apps and oh, just yeah. scan your phone They're over the top. They're already working on it. Really? Yeah. 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 And that, again, I think for the learner, for the person who's beginning, great. But do not use that as a crutch because, no. my God, you know, imagine – well, I think one time I posted on Twitter, or Facebook or something. I was like, pull out your, you know, uh, survival app and survive. I was like, and pull out your water yeah, purification right. app to, to purify water. I was like, and pull out your brain app because you're an idiot and you have no skills other than this phone's battery life. But that was my young, early 20s and I was rude and uh, a, a mean person who <laughs> tweet and <laughs> Facebook comment like that. Um no, but that's I, true. I mean, it's true. Yeah, you don't want to be dependent no, on this. Stuff, no, I, I think, know? I mean, the way I go about that, and for instance, you mentioned Joan Evans, you know, he's got a great tracking app. I yeah. Mean, I track yeah. wildlife. I track wildlife. Yeah. Pro. And I highly recommend it. Yeah, the yep. pro version. It's a great, great app. Yeah, worth every penny. But if you're going to do that, now, if you're a novice, you have no idea, okay, I, I sort of understand it. Although, yeah. and, and there's no track recognition in that or anything. You, you have to know what to look up. But make an attempt first. Yes. You know. To go out there on their terms, the animal's terms. You evaluate it, exactly. And then if you want to use it as a check, just like you would a guidebook or in the case if you took a photo and you had something that analyzed it, okay, fine. Yeah. You know, but to me, it's kind of like the navigation thing with Google Maps, you know. Yeah. I tell my wife that all the time. It's like, don't just depend on that. You know, it's like, I mean, even I get lazy. Yeah. You know, I'm a map person and I, you know, used to, I delivered pizzas at one time, right? And I knew every road you know in this town you know and, and point a to point b and which three options or whatever and so to have that underpinning where you can do it yourself is very important and then you know if you need to use an aid or you want to double check hey great you know, right. go ahead yeah. you know but if you're just using a map application all of a sudden you know cell phones out or it's just wrong because they are wrong sometimes, oh yeah you know? i've definitely been redirected yeah <laughs> your battery places. dies this or whatever you're you're out of luck you yeah. know if you can't navigate so do I, you have any um kind of mock cyber tracker evaluations on your stuff so what i have is in the course there's basically um a a flashcard uh practice quiz if oh you cool will. Yeah, very and cool. So right now, the one I'm offering um, or have up is that one. However, I'm going to be coming out soon with a 
CEU or continuing education units or credits, um, which, you know, wildlife professionals oftentimes now have to get. And that has a formal test in it nice. where, you know, you, you have to, and you have to pass, it, you can retake it, but, um, and this is what students university course have to do. Their grade depends on it. Um, they just get one shot, but, um, you, you have to, you know, I show you track and, you know, what family, and, and I break down the course into, first I go into, um, you know, what is tracking and, and then yeah. introduction and some of the Lewis Liebenberg thing, art of, you know, the, the original science. You I know. love that book. Yeah. And, uh, and then, um, go into morphology and then it's by animal family group. So yeah. start out the most common ones, people are just like canines, felines, ungulates. And then I, I group cause they're all in the same family or order, like bears and skunks, yeah. um, together and raccoons. And then, after that, it's like medium-sized mammals, then rodents, which is probably the hardest one, as yeah. you know. <laughs> it's tough. Those small feet. Uh, yeah. It's funny as you can tell easier like harvest mice from white-footed mice by their tracks than like looking at them. Yeah. Like if you put I, I two know. next to me, I'd be like, yeah, I, I don't know which one's what, but let me see their feet. Oh, that's a harvest mouse. Exactly. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. And then after that, just in a sort of a high level birds, you know, different, you know, game bird versus, yeah. you know, the other types. Anisodactyls, zygodactyl, yeah, all that. Exactly. That's good. I'm glad you've got. Amphibians, and then we get into sign. Oh, good. We do just, you know, and that's a huge topic. But we get into that, and then aging, and then it finishes with gates and trailing. Got it. Um, so it really, I mean, it, it's a really good overview. And, um, again, I'll, I'll come out the CEU version at some point, probably the next couple of months or sometime this year. Um, so if you want to delve down a little deeper and really test yourself, um, you can do that. Yeah. Well, that's what I got to doing early is like just thumbing through Mark's books, thumbing through this, thumbing through that. And then I would just go out to the field and apply it. And I think the reason it worked so well for me like that, because remember how I told you earlier about my childhood when I was growing up and we were talking on your podcast was about how, you know, I thought I wasn't the cool kid. So I like started skateboarding. So that was the, what would I would do is I would watch skateboarders and then I'd go skateboard. And I just get this massive inspiration. So that's what I would do. I would watch these like nature shows or something. But I just wish there was more people. Like, I wish there was a TV show about animal tracking. I yeah. wish that existed. It's just like, you know, there's like ghost hunters and stupid Bigfoot hunts. Sorry, I don't mean to say stupid. But like, it's so yeah. weird that you're still. The, oh, did you hear that? What was that? Yeah. That, that's the whole 12 seasons. Well, it's like, I, what are you doing? But if you're with animal trackers, you can, like, definitively, this is a black bear and two cubs. And it's like, whoa. I tried to get REI interested in this a few years ago. I was running some trips back then. And uh, anyway, they're hard to they, get in partnership know, yeah. with. Yeah. I've tried to. Yeah. REI is weird. I, I, anyway, so I was there and they were running a. Um, a zombie apocalypse thing. What? The same kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was the like, hell? Oh, I was like, what are you doing? And I, I went to, I was like, you, you're not offering Sam this. Sam must have got with him. Yeah. You're not offering this other stuff. Why? I mean, this is, you know, it's kind of silly. I mean, I understand for kids or whatever, but it's like, it's kind of silly. I said, why do you do this? And you're not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to talk to you about, you know, the real stuff and, you know, just presenting it as is. They said, well, because actually we can't get people, and I don't buy this, but I understand where they're coming. They're like, we can't get people interested. So we try to teach the same thing, but if we put it under the label of zombie apocalypse, they'll show up, wow. and then they'll learn about survival. How bizarre. So, you know, so what do we, we have to put? We live in a marketing what, world. What do we have to put animal tracking under? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Well, forensics detective. <laughs> well, actually, interesting <laughs> that you say that. Um, one of the ways that I approach tracking or try to get people interested in is a little more from the trailing aspect. Sure. You know, where, hey, what if you could go and, I mean, you don't ever want to disturb animals, but, yeah. you know, what if you knew where an animal was, you know, uh, denning or hibernating or could find their feeding grounds or whatever, you know, and you, you could... You know, you had, like we were talking about earlier about, you know, knowing the cat's coming around the corner. What, yeah. what if you knew those skills? And when you, I think, start going down that road, people are like, oh, wow, that would be, you mean I could find this animal? Or I could, you know, it's like, yeah. And, of course, then to do that, you need to be able to recognize tracks. Right. Right? So. I think I think the only thing that stopped, like, I, I'll give you an example. I used to have this roommate. He loved what I did with Natureversity. Like, he, he's one of the ones who helped me in a couple of ways get it all started and off the ground. But he loved it, but he never was, like, into it because he said he just doesn't know the pragmatic application. Now, his career was <clears throat> in marketing and research and design and all that stuff. So that's what, you know, I guess I can see a lot of people shying away from it or not really being interested or like, oh, it's not that sexy because there's no pragmatic pragmatism pragmatism i don't know what that word pragmatism means. pragmatism yeah. well i can go. jump in on that <laughs> go for it yeah yeah so um yeah I, I think the best way to say that is particularly if if you're in a bio, biological sciences field yeah. or conservation there's a load of applications so my students at university of florida um, are actually in you know universities now have all this matrixed structure where it, it's not as simple when I was there or, you know it's like this department has this program and it's linked with this one over here and this professor and this you know um, uh, what, what do they call them uh, not practice but you know over here has this center for whatever and he's teaching you know and you go through and you can't even recognize it when you're yeah. trying to figure it out online but uh, the point being is that this multidisciplinarian um aspects to it now right and create your own curriculum and so my my class is both in the wildlife ecology and conservation department there but it's also in this other center which is based in the veterinarian forensics department whoa and so most of my students cool. yeah the grad students you're talking about their game wardens so they're trying to figure out poaching events or if Bam. there's a predation who did it when did it happen or animals dead why did it happen uh forest rangers you know park rangers i had a guy and just uh, finished my class last semester, wrote me afterwards and said, hey, I really appreciate this. Because of this class, I was actually able to track a guy down, a poacher, over a mile and found him illegally uh, killed a bobcat and I charged him. Wow. Yeah. I think what a, a story. Felony. Yeah. You I don't know, think you're to, I think, isn't that a felony? Killing and, wildlife? And, yeah. Well, it depends on the state and yeah. whatever. Yeah. He didn't have a license and so he Bummer. got charged. And so... Um, but That's he, an awesome story. The, the one that surprised me a little bit, honestly, was how many, uh, and I mean, it's in their department, but how many veterinarians take it and found it useful. And particularly, I, I've had a couple of uh, people have written me and said it's been very useful gait analysis to try to figure out what's wrong with an animal. Whoa. You know, because of the locomotion. Damage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. So, Dang. Yeah, and, and then obviously. Massive amount of pragmatism. Yeah, you know, the the straight up biologist or, you know, that's ecologist who's trying to find out is animals, this area, you know, how can I find the den? Do they have kittens? You yeah. Know, where are they going to, et cetera. So there's a, there's a lot of different aspects to it. You know, again, I mentioned game wardens, um, but there's a lot of disciplines where it's actually really useful. And again, 
in this era where, you know, um, and, and not that collaring still has a place for sure, but, you know, where we, we don't want to harm animals, you know, getting information that, you know, is, is non-intrusive, in, um, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't harm or disturb the animal, you know, is really important. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So there, and there, and there's other aspects too. There's other applications for it, but it's a lot more than we think. Um, and, you know, wildlife poaching, uh, and uh, predation is, you know, unfortunately, it's it's not going away. It's becoming a bigger problem all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, or again, I gave that example earlier. I mean, we're talking about wildlife tracking, but the principles are exact same for law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, there is no difference. Right. You know, you have to be able to recognize, you know, sign. You have to be able to track. You have to know how old it is. You have mm-hmm. to pattern match if there's a shoe or, or what have you. So, again, there's a lot of applications for this. Yeah. I, you know, as we've been talking for the last hour and a half, I, we talked a lot about CyberTracker. I think the next podcast I want to do is I just want to sit down and talk about like anyone who is preparing for a CyberTracker. Like here is two guys who've taken conjoined probably 12 and here's all the things that we want to tell you about to be on the lookout for and things like that. I was just thinking about like, what are some more questions that I could ask Lee and pick his brain about, about yeah, this? And, but and, and even so after we do that, there'll still, there'll be several things come up, which have yeah. never come up before. It's right. like, you have to be in the evaluator's brain and actually they don't know a lot of things. They don't too, know. I know. Until they get out there. Right. Right. And, and even then, you know, they have their own predilections and what they like to focus on, but, and that's where the learning comes in. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us how we can discover more about you. Sure. Uh, you can just go to naturaliststudies.com. Um, and again, that's naturaliststudies.com. Um, or you can actually, if you want to go straight to the courses, you can go to courses.naturaliststudies.com. And uh, other information's on their podcast and whatever courses are being offered currently. And Always putting up more stuff on there, um, and um, right now the courses are uh, for purchase outright. So eventually, you probably have some sort of um, ongoing subscription model, yeah. you know, and um, hopefully have some guests on there like Chris on a regular basis. Great. And uh, again, the idea is that to be, you know, really not a replacement but a feed in. You mm-hmm. know, I want to get more people into. I, I I would never trade, you know, learning online and you know what I do now. I would never trade that for, you know, uh, in person thing. But again, it's a great vehicle. It, I think it shortens the learning time to get you up to a certain speed, and it will motivate you to to get out and get some dirt time. Yeah. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being on, and uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking again very soon. And uh, yeah, my pleasure. It. Thanks yeah. for having me. Of course. All right, everybody. Thank y'all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Take care.